Good morning, friends. Welcome back to the Hope and Anchor podcast. This is the second week of uh, us gathering for worship in quarantine, uh, which has been kind of a strange experience for uh, most of us, I would say. But uh, I'm glad we have this avenue, this way that we can meet and uh, at least spend time together in God's Word. Um, I hope that you've been finding um, uh, creative ways to connect with your family and friends uh, this past week, uh, but also meaningful ways to connect with with the Lord. Um, we've all been given a lot of time to just uh, sit and think and and um, read and, and pray and uh, potentially grow. And so I pray that um, the Holy Spirit would give us wisdom and insight on how to um, utilize the time we've been given. Even though it can be discouraging, I pray that uh, each of us would be able to uh, come through this situation um, having uh, gained wisdom, gained insight, and uh, perseverance. Um, this morning, Christy's with me, uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I've kind of had my ups and downs this week, uh, but Christy's been a, a source of support for me. But uh, Christy, how has your week been? How would you summarize your week? Um, uh, for me, when I'm able to block out the noise, and, and the way I do that is by not having my phone with me constantly, and um, I started out the whole quarantine process of just constantly, the first couple of days, just reading every single article that was out there. And so um, I've been trying to be intentional about not doing that and being outside. And so uh, for me, it's been restful in that, um, you know, we're not rushing from one activity to the other. And I'm able to, uh, even though we're still doing school and uh, there are other things that are on our schedule that have to get done, because there's not the evening rush or the music lesson rush, uh, it does feel a lot quieter and a lot uh, more restful. And so we've been able to spend a lot of time outside with the kids. So that's been really good. Um, I think the the big thing has been just to try to, to block out the noise. Uh, one thing that's been surprising is that I'm actually feeling more connected with my friends during this time than normal. Um, everybody's been a lot more intentional about checking in texting, calling. Um, our homeschool group has done like every single morning we're doing workout all together which uh, normally we see each other once a week and now we're seeing each other uh, six days a week and uh, so there's been a, a real blessing in this and that uh, connection has been um, has been easy in online platforms and so that's been surprising to me um, and so I really do appreciate that. I appreciate all the texts from church friends and um, just checking in and making sure we're all, all doing well. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's been helpful to uh, try to maintain a, a sort of s- schedule during the day, uh, have a, a plan for how you're going to utilize your day. One thing that's been important for me and for my family uh, is to get outside each day, to spend at least half an hour to an hour outside, whether that's walking on some trails or just working in the garden. Uh, it's important to make sure you're getting enough sunlight and uh, fresh air and uh, just get your body moving because um, uh, yeah uh, even though it's a difficult situation there are opportunities that abound. Now uh, what I think would be important this morning is for us to spend some time in prayer here at the beginning. Um, Many of our friends, many people you know have been affected by this shutdown, by this lockdown situation. Uh, Many have lost their jobs or been laid off uh, hopefully just temporarily 
so many have been affected economically and many are being affected physically. And so uh, let's uh, just go to the Lord right now and uh, spend a moment in prayer. I'm going to just wait a moment and let you formulate your prayers and thoughts, uh, and then I'll, I'll speak a word of prayer for those affected. Lord, hear our prayers this morning as we lift them to you for all those who have been affected by this coronavirus situation, those who are struggling physically, uh, whether they're battling the illness itself or they're battling the emotional, psychological toll this is taking. I pray that you give them uh, strength, give them um, just perseverance. I pray that you'd uh, stoke their immune system so that they can fight. And uh, I pray for those also who have been affected economically, uh, who are their jobs are in, in question, their, their finances are not in a place where they can endure much time without work. God, I pray that you'd be um, our creator and our sustainer, but also the God of all provision, that you would provide and that you would give um, what is needed during this, uh, this uh, difficult time under these strenuous circumstances. I pray that you would be uh, merciful and that you would draw people closer and closer to yourself um, in spite of whatever they're going through, in the midst of whatever they're going through. I pray that people would be drawn closer to you and that you'd be glorified um, uh, in the darkness, in this difficult, um, um, challenging time. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is the uh, fourth week uh, of Lent, and today is the fourth Sunday in Lent, and I've asked Christy to do our Lenten reading for today. John eight twelve through 20 Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, You are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone, and if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect, because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? they asked. Jesus answered, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. God of mercy, you sent Jesus to seek and save the lost. We confess that we have strayed from you and turned aside from your way. We are misled by pride, for we see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love, neglected injustice, and ignored your truth. Have mercy on us, O God, and forgive our sin. Return us to paths of righteousness, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. All right, we are continuing in our Easter mixtape series, taking a look at the Psalms and how they point us 
uh, toward Christ. This is our third week in this series, and today we will be looking at Psalm 84. But before we get to Psalm 84, uh, I'd like to remind everyone that last week we finished up our time uh, in in Psalm 107. Last week we spent our time unpacking Psalm 107, but toward the end of last week's uh, study, we ended up in 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. And as you may recall, 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4, it gives us a picture. It's a picture of the with God life. And ultimately, it's a picture of joy made complete. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there real quick. Let's start there today in 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 again. This is a picture of the with God life and of our joy made complete. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may share fully that you sorry, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy, so that you may fully share our joy. This desire for a joy made complete is echoed all throughout Scripture, but specifically it's echoed all throughout the Psalms. This desire is a longing to dwell with God. And that desire was made possible and fulfilled through the Incarnation, through Christ's life, His death, and His resurrection. So this week we're going to turn our attention to Psalm 84. And we find that Psalm 84 is a hopeful glimpse. It gives us a hope-filled glimpse of dwelling in God's presence, of fellowship with our Creator, and ultimately of a true joy that is made wonderfully complete. And I'm going to have Christy read one last time for us today. Uh, she's going to read Psalm 84, so follow along in your own Bible or on your phone. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies! I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. When my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have sent their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing spring. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessing. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. All right, Psalm 84 
is once again one of my favorite psalms, and I love how it begins. I love the very first line of Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. Now, to the, the original readers, to, the, to the, the regular Israelite, the temple courts and the altar, these were a very special place to Israel. But, as special as they were, they were not typically considered a place of comfort and rest. The temple and the altar, they were a place of of costly sacrifice, of intense ritual, and of deep solemnity. The Israelites traveled regularly to the temple, and they traveled there for ceremonies uh, and important prescribed religious duties. So they did all these things on a regular basis as, as, as uh, commanded in Scripture. They wanted to be faithful, so they went there over and over again to do these ceremonies and perform these religious duties. But here's my hunch. At a deeper level, I don't think that those pilgrims traveling to Jerusalem were eager to just do more ceremonies and perform more religious duties. I don't think they were eager to sacrifice more pigeons or, or offer more prayers or see more livestock slaughtered and sacrificed. I think, and here's what I think is being echoed by the psalmist, I think they were longing for something more. Israel was seeking a dwelling place with their God. They were seeking a place to feel at home with their Creator. They were longing for a restored Eden where they could rest in God's presence, where they could dwell with God in joy made complete. Here's the thing we know about dwelling. When we actually dwell in a place, we fit. We fit there. We belong. We're able to rest. We're able to enjoy. We are at home because we are known. When we dwell in a place, we are known in that place. Now, if you can imagine, just to uh, engage your imagination here, imagine yourself as an Israelite at the temple, in sight of the altar, Now imagine standing there with the people of Israel gathered around the altar in the temple on the temple grounds. Now imagine a lowly sparrow living there, making a home there in the temple, or or a tiny swallow that's built its nest and is raising its young right there near the, the altar. Now the people of Israel can see this. Imagine the people of Israel. They're gathered around. They're seeing these nests. How envious must they have felt? How envious they must have been of these small birds that were so at home near the presence of God. Here's a paradox then that only makes sense in longing for a future reality, in longing for a future home, longing for this merging of worship and rest, this merging and this enjoyment of worship and rest. You see, all who truly and freely worship God are on a pilgrimage toward the place of our truest desire. We're on pilgrimage toward our heart's true home, and that home is our dwelling place with God. I think everyone at the temple recognized that how things are in the sacrificial system and the demands of going to the temple and seeing things performed on the altar was not the ultimate picture of what God's desire uh, is for us. They wanted to someday experience that merging of worship and rest, to be able to dwell in the presence of God, just like the sparrow, just like the swallow who's built its nest.
So here we find the key difference in the with God life, or if you prefer, here's where we find the turning point in the with God life. What's that turning point? Well, the turning point is when we begin to desire more than just religious rituals. And we actually start to long to dwell with God and to rest in His presence. You see the difference? When we turn in our practice of our faith, when we desire more than just the religious practice, the, the rituals, and we start to actually long for God, we want to dwell with Him and actually enjoy resting in His presence. Many in the church, they never move beyond a formulaic association with God. This formulaic association that's expressed only through ritual participation and sacrificial appeasement. Just keeping God happy. Trying to stay in, in, in good relationship with God. Everything about our faith when we're in this situation is centered around location and activity. I do this thing at this place to accomplish this end. But here's the thing, once, that, once we come to that turning point in our faith, we become a, a, a pilgrim. We enter into a pilgrimage path, or onto a pilgrimage path. A true pilgrim grows to see interaction with God as much more than just a trip to the temple. A true pilgrim sees their interaction with God as much more than just a trip to the temple to offer prescribed sacrifices and rote rituals. A true pilgrim sees their interaction with God as an all-encompassing, life-giving reality that becomes, as the psalmist says, a sun and a shield to them every day. Our faith in our relationship with God becomes less about a location and an activity and more about a walk and a relationship. So let's walk through uh, Psalm 84 and, and learn from it. Let's hear what the psalmist has to share as far as the insights about what it means to be a pilgrim walking with God. So a true pilgrim is longing for more than simply rightness with God. This pilgrim, she is walking daily toward a deeper communion with God in which she is enamored with the thought of the place inhabited by God Himself. Look at verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place! O Lord of heaven's armies, who would say that unless they deeply desire to just be with God in deep communion? The pilgrim yearns for the courts of the Lord, and the pilgrim's heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Look at verse 2. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. I mean, really... Could those words be on your lips? Could they be on my lips? Man, there's days I arrive at church and I'm not there. There's been a lot of long periods in my, my Christian life where those words would sound foreign coming out of my mouth. But a true pilgrim that desires to dwell with God and to, to dwell and have deep communion with Him is able to say these things. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, my body and my soul, I shout joyfully to the living God. The pilgrim dreams of a day when she will be able to live in God's house and praise Him all the time in word and in deed, in everything she does, surrounded by her, her family and friends. Look at verse 3 and 4. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar, O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God. What joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. 
The pilgrim understands the blessing of learning to lean on God and drawing strength for daily living by trusting in Him. Verse 5, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. The pilgrim, the pilgrim participates in the daily adventure of growing to see her life as an ongoing pursuit of godliness and of worship, even in times of sorrow and darkness, even in times like right now, even in the situation we're in, a pilgrim participates in an ongoing manner in this daily adventure of growing to see her life, his or her life, as an ongoing pursuit of godliness and worship. This becomes most clear in this reference we find to the valley of weeping, or in the Hebrew, the valley of Baca, which actually means weeping. So our, our adventure with God and our ability to pursue godliness and worship in difficult times becomes clear in this valley of weeping, these times of affliction, of pain, and of suffering. Look at verses 6 through 7. When they walk, when these pilgrims walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger. And each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. So even right in the midst of this valley of weeping, it becomes a place of refreshing springs. So when we stick with the Lord, when we walk closely with Him, when we pursue uh, godliness and we, we commit to worship, we find that even these times of affliction, pain, and suffering, of sorrow, and of darkness can become places of refreshing springs and that our strength can grow stronger. During these times and because of these times, the pilgrim experiences God's faithfulness in new and unexpected ways. Now, as we continue in verse or in uh, Psalm 84, it's important for us to understand that because the pilgrim rests in God's blessing and faithfulness all along the path, regardless of what happens or what comes his way. He sets his heart and his imagination on the courts of the Lord. Look at verse 10. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. The pilgrim's experience with God's faithfulness radically reorients his hopes. Re radically reorients his expectations, values, desires, and his measure of success. Our pilgrim, our pilgrim would rather serve as a doorman in God's presence than live in the mansions of the selfish and the wicked. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. So what does this mean? It means that conscious rejection and intentional abandonment of worldly values leads one inevitably deeper into dependence upon God and His values. Did you hear what I said there? Conscious rejection and intentional abandonment of the world's values leads us, leads us inevitably deeper into dependence upon God and His values. 
Our faithful God guides us and guards us along this pilgrim's path. He becomes to us our sun and our shield. And as our sun and our shield, God gives us His light and His banner to lead us. Look at verse 11. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. As our sun and our shield, God gives His light and His banner to lead us. And, and where is our faithful God leading us? Ooh, this is where it gets so good. He is leading us further up into His grace and further into His glory. Hear this again. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us glory and grace. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. To be led into God's grace and into God's glory, it implies a certain kind of growing nearness and sharing. As we, as we step into God's grace, as we experience God's grace and glory, we become near and we start to share with God. And here's where we come full circle. This nearness and sharing with God, it brings our joy into a new kind of fullness and a new kind of completion. Look at verse 12. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy, what joy for those who trust in you. And so we come full circle. We go through the valley. We discover those refreshing springs. We grow deeper in our fellowship with God. And we start to experience Him as our sun and our shield. And as a result, we have this sense of growing nearness and deeper sharing. And that, deepness, that growing nearness and deepening sharing leads us full circle to that place of joy. This joy of fullness and completion with our God. Now it's important to hold on to these ideas, these, these, these thoughts of nearness and sharing. Because to a pilgrim, nearness and sharing have become and they are becoming our pilgrimage hope. That upon which we are placing our very hope. But not only does the pilgrim desire nearness and sharing with God, get this, God Himself desires nearness and sharing with us. What's this? God desires more than sacrifice and ritual. God desires us to dwell with Him, and He intends to dwell with us. And Jesus Christ is the means by which God comes close to His people, and Jesus Christ is the means by which people are able to come close to God. By grace, God's people dwell with Him and they experience His glory. As we read in verse 11, For the Lord God is our sun and shield. He gives us what? He gives us grace and glory. We hear this all through Scripture. And I think about the New Testament. Uh, James talks about it in chapter 4, verses 7 uh, through the first part of verse 8, when he says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will what? He will draw near to you. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What a wonderful and, and terrifying idea. But God draws near to us. Revelation chapter 21, where the, the apostle John, John the Revelator, hears the angel say, Look, God's dwelling place is now with His people. The picture that John sees of God's vision, his, his ambition fulfilled, is that His dwelling place is now with His people. There is no longer this separation between heaven and earth. It's all together in this new dwelling place. 
And then in John chapter 14, Jesus himself says, I'm going away. Why? To prepare a place for you. And get this, guys, everyone who's hearing his voice, Jesus is saying to you, there's more than enough room in my Father's house. Jesus is going away back to his Father to build a house, a dwelling place. And in that dwelling place, there's room for you and there's room for me. That is amazing. The psalmist in Psalm 84 sings of a desire to dwell with God, a desire to be at home in God's presence. The psalmist envies the swallows nesting close to the altar, the sparrow living their lives upon that place where atonement is made. These tiny birds dwelling right where people are reconciled to God. You see the power of this image? That image quickens a pilgrim's steps. That image sets a pilgrim's heart on the temple, on that meeting place. And even now, the altar is the nexus for our sharing, our nearness and our sharing with God. But, it's, but the picture is slightly different. The altar has become the cross. The altar has become the cross as the place of this sacrifice and of this atonement made. It, the cross has become the very place where God's grace and glory meet. The very place where God's grace and glory meet and are given to us. Our joy is made complete and our longing is satisfied as we draw near, as we learn to dwell in God's presence by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. I'm reminded of Colossians chapter 1, and we'll finish up with this. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, where Paul writes, For God in all His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him, God reconciled everything to Himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. For God was pleased to dwell in Christ in His fullness. Hmm. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So we hear this song in Psalm 84. And maybe you resonate with it. Maybe we resonate with this pilgrim's desire. Perhaps you've been standing at a distance. Maybe, maybe you've been looking on from afar. Maybe you've been longing, sensing deep within you a longing for that nearness and sharing with God that Christ offers to us. Perhaps you're tired and you're just a little bit exhausted from a, a performance-based religion. A, a relationship with God that's really just perpetuated on, on location and activity, just going to this place to do this thing at this time, and you're longing for something more. Hear this. You can nest near God's presence. You can dwell in God's presence through faith in Jesus Christ. But here's the, here's the, here's the condition. God's grace and glory, this joy made complete, it lies always and forever on the other side of the cross. Are you willing to radically reassess, to radically reorient your life around Jesus? Around Jesus and His life and His death and His resurrection? Are you ready to turn toward Christ and His kingdom? Are you eager to set your heart on pilgrimage and to discover what it means to walk with God Himself as your son 
and your shield? Well, good news, it can start today. Through Jesus Christ, we are all invited to come close to God and to dwell in His presence. And it all starts by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who became the perfect sacrifice for you, that served as the atonement, clearing the way for you to come close to God and for His dwelling place and your dwelling place to become one forever. So it all begins with faith. We're all invited. So let's go. Let's pray together. Father, thanks. Oh, thank you so much for the good news we find in your scripture. God, the longing we find all the way in the all the way through the Old Testament on the lips of the psalmist as they look at the little birds that are just nesting near the altar, this holy place, and they're desiring, oh, I wish I could do that too. I wish I could be that close to God, just dwelling and raising my young so close to God. God, it's right that we desire to dwell with you and to be close to you. That's your desire as well. And you've gone to great lengths to make that possible. And it's made possible through Jesus Christ. And it's only through Jesus. Lord, I thank you that Jesus came and he became that altar. He became that place of sacrifice and atonement that made it possible for us through faith to come back home, to learn to rest, to dwell, and to know a joy made complete. God, I pray that you would work that truth deeply into our hearts. God, I pray that you would heal us of our, of our religiosity. God, give us a determination and a desire to move past just perfunctory religious practice into a deeper walk, a pilgrimage path that leads us deeper and deeper into your heart. Lord, I pray that you would kindle something inside of us while we're in this difficult time, while we're so sequestered and, and cut off from each other, I pray that you would have our attention in a new way, that there would be this special communion that takes place during this quarantined time. Lord, I pray that all of us would emerge from this, uh, this, this lockdown, this, this difficulty, um, having grown deeper in our faith, stronger in our relationship with you because of Jesus Christ. May your Holy Spirit be at work in each and every one of our lives over the next days, weeks, and even months. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for being here again today. It's, it's always a little bit unique uh, to talk to you this way. Uh, I'm sitting at my desk and not seeing anybody. Um, Christy's not even in the room now with me. Um, but, I, but I trust that you're there. And I trust that the Holy Spirit can work even through this. And I think it's important as we move forward that we are intentional about staying in connection with each other. Whoever it is that God lays on your heart each morning, send a text, maybe uh, make a phone call, write a letter, uh, do whatever. Um, we're not, we've not been doing live feed video or things like that because I don't think that's really necessary. But in the next couple weeks, I would like to share communion. And so I'm working on a way for us to maybe uh, set up some times for groups of our fellow people in our fellowship to get together on a on a conference call or a video chat and share communion together so there might there there'll be more coming down about that but uh, i want us to as best we can continue functioning as a fellowship doing these important things together but really it's a day-by-day -day thing a person-by-person -person thing we have to care for each other and uh so it's going to take just a time set aside each morning or sometime during the day to just uh, reach out and make contact because it really matters. It matters more now possibly than ever. Uh, just uh, stay in touch. So, All right, so we'll finish up with uh, praying as the Lord taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be 
your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now all glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.